and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. And I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer from the beginning. This is a spoiler-free podcast, so whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary on the show from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode. Season 5, episode 21, The Weight of the World. And it is heavy indeed. Yes, it is. But can I just say, the weight was lifted off my shoulders this week because Willow is getting a storyline. <laughs> right? Willow's time to shine. I loved her in this episode. I am so happy because I we've been saying, where the hell's Willow storyline? Why are they ruining her character with these weird little moments where she's like either agreeing with Xander or too much like Xander or being rude? And now here she is taking control. This reminds me of back in when we were cheering for her back in Choices in season three. And that was a long time ago. So, like, finally, like, here she is, a Willow-centric it, episode. It reminded me of something else, but I'll tell you when we get there, yes. Okay. okay. Um, and so, like, it's not just Willow, though. I really liked this episode. What about you? I liked it, too. It just felt very long. There's Why so is that, much... Kara? <laughs> There's, like, I know we said last week there was a ton of exposition in Spiral, but, like, this episode has even more exposition, I think. There's, like one action scene <laughs> okay no no i think we need to explain why it would feel extra long to you this week <laughs> and because not now to me. i'm the one who watched it twice <laughs> yes <laughs> so so listeners you know i mean this is some behind the scene stuff i got busy like the lot we've been we've been recording on an accelerated schedule which means we're recording sometimes twice a week which means this week i just got too busy with work and life and i didn't have time to rewatch and make my notes the second time as i usually do so i told car this today and uh she stepped up because she's a friend <laughs> she's a great partner a great podcasting co-host and she was like i'll do the notes <laughs> like <laughs> there is another <laughs> there is another like a knight of Byzantium, she stood well, up I, and she I took the sword. I figured after, you know, a hundred something episodes, Steph, I could step up and do one time. Um, <laughs> the last and, time. And it's good. It, it kind of, it. I already knew you did a lot of work for this podcast, but it really puts into perspective how much more work <laughs> you do than I do, at least when it comes to taking notes. <laughs> I, I'm glad it took two years to get us here, but but I thank you for taking the notes. Um, I'm really excited for little change in dynamic we got going on here uh, and that's a lesson to everybody out there that when you pick your podcast partner pick one that is gonna step up when you cannot perform and that's what Kara did for me today she's a true partner yeah but i mean what an episode you're right lots of talky lots of lots of stuff going on couldn't have been easy to take those notes i feel for you Overall, like I, I, why I like this episode so much, maybe because I haven't seen it in a really long time or don't really remember much of it. I actually liked Spike for the most part. I enjoyed Dawn. 
I enjoyed the bits between Ben and Glory. Like I just I just really enjoyed the characters and where we're getting to them. Obviously, this is the second last episode of the season, so it's just nice to see where everyone's kind of landing right before the end. Agreed. Let's get into it. Let's do it. Oh, you are I summarizing? Okay. <laughs> you <laughs> that was so funny. We and you just stare at each other for a hot second. Um I hey, I just assumed I didn't want to jump on your notes. I assumed because you made them, you wanted to take my my glory and start off recapping. I'll try, I'll do my best. <laughs> So we open on two of Glory's minions. We've seen them both before, uh, a male and then the female minion who was introduced last week. And and I think the male minion, we learn his name later is Merc. And I was just thinking, like, wouldn't it be nice if all the minions wore name tags or something? Because <laughs> uh, or at least introduce themselves to us, because I just, I'm having trouble keeping track because there's just been so many. <laughs> and I want to know who's naming them. Like, do they give themselves names or is Glory kind of like, Merc? And she just like makes it up on the spot, you know? <laughs> so we're at Glory's apartment and these two minions are rushing to pack up Glory's stuff. Uh, and the female minion is kind of grumbling and, and asking like, well, why do we still remain when our moment of triumph is so close? And Merc replies, it's because Glory doesn't travel lightly. <laughs> so she's trying to take all of her worldly possessions with her to the hell dimension that she wants to return to, I guess. Wouldn't you, if you had collected so much stuff in your time in Sunnydale? <laughs> so Glory's in the other room. She's trying on, you know, ceremonial robes. I guess she's trying to find which ones match her eyes or whatever. And she interrupts them. She says, I can hear you. Godlike ears don't miss much. And so the minions come out of the room and uh, join Glory, and the female minion says, "'Twas he who blasphemed!" <laughs> and Merc says, "'Spurred on by treacherous urging!' <laughs> and Glory reassures them that she's not going to kill them because she's not in the mood. And this seems to disturb her, and she says, "'What do you think that's about?' So the female minion posits, "'In mercy does your power lie?' <laughs> And Glory looks at her and says, no, brainless, in torture, misery, and chaos does my power lie. So tell me, why am I not popping your head like a zit right now? Maybe I'm just hungry. No, not hungry. Um, and she talks about how she's been waiting for an eternity, which apparently is 25 human years. <laughs> uh, and it all comes down to tonight. So all the minions are congratulating her and fawning over her. And Glory waxes po poetical about all the bloodshed that's going to happen tonight. She falls back onto a couch and her mood swings again. And she says, so why ain't I happy? I've got everything I ever wanted. Still, something's off. I don't know. What do you think? And she turns and the camera pans with her gaze over to Dawn, who's sitting on another couch. She is gagged. She, her hands are bound. And obviously she's quite upset because she has been kidnapped. And Glory knows that she's the key. Poor Dawn. We don't cut to credits. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this, this opens up more questions from last episode where you and I had nothing but questions around Glory and Eternity and as well as the LARPers. 25 human years. That's how long Glory has been in this reality. And the, remember the general in the last episode was saying, like, oh, countless centuries of our ancestors have, like, looked out for the key or whatever, or been knights of the Byzantium or whatever. And you were like, wait, but she's only been around for 25 years? And then I was like, well, we don't know how old Ben is. But turns out <laughs> Ben's just 25 years. 
So, so I have some theories. Okay. One would be that maybe Glory just gets reincarnated every generation and she doesn't remember the previous incarnations. Right. So in her mind, she knows it's been longer than 25 years, but she can only like in the current human vessel that she's inhabiting, she can only remember the last 25 years. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that's one good way to look at it. The other thing that I was wondering about, too, was, like, so when Ben was, like, a little boy, she would, or a baby, like, would she be a baby, too? (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, (laughs) did she have to wait until she was old enough to be able to talk? Or, like, how did that work? (laughs) Right? Because it seems like Ben's been with her his whole life. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that's very strange. That reminds me of being John Malkovich, where they crawl into a a crawl space, (laughs) and then they end up crawling into like the baby's head. It's it's that's a that's (laughs) a fucked up movie. If anybody wants to watch that movie. (laughs) All right. So we cut to the abandoned building that we were in last week, and Spike has hotwired Ben's car, and so all the Scoobies are preparing to pack up and decamp. And Xander asks Giles if he's good to go. Giles replies, don't worry about me, because remember, everybody, last week, Giles was stabbed with a spear, (laughs) and he was in a bad way. And he killed 10 horses. Horses. (laughs) Uh, So Giles asks, how's Buffy? And Xander says, same, still. Willow says it's been almost half an hour, so that's, that's how much time has passed since last week. This whole episode is taking place the same night as the end of last week's episode. Wait, wait. But Glory had enough time to get home and and get her robes fitted? Unless this is a different timing. Oh, God, timing in this show. <laughs> Glory ran very fast. Yeah. And I assume that she already had the robes, right? She's been preparing for a while. Right, right. So Spike asks if Buffy's going to be all right. And Xander tells Willow that she should try to get through to Buffy again. Because remember, Buffy kind of collapsed at the end of last week's episode. So she's sitting in a chair right now. Uh, Willow says she isn't even sure if Buffy's really here. Uh, But Xander tells her to try. So we see Willow kneel down. Uh, She's almost kind of staring into the camera. And she says, can you hear me? Buffy. So we see Buffy sitting on a chair. She's catatonic. She's staring off into the distance. No response. Uh, We hear Willow say, Buffy, Buffy. And then we cut to credits. Yeah, she's in the the sunken place. Poor Buffy. Spike tries now, right? He says, Buffy. She can't just be brain dead. She's still Buffy somewhere in there, right? And Xander says, Spike, come on. We won't get Dawn back sticking around in here. And Spike says, they won't get Dawn back without Buffy. And Xander's like, good, panic. That'll help. So the boys are ha- are being no help here. Willow says they should move Buffy unless we shouldn't. Should we? And this is interesting. So they all kind of like try to figure out like what they should do with Buffy while she's in this state. Anya says it could make it worse. Xander doesn't know what to do, nor does Giles. And I'm like, this is interesting. Like, I wouldn't know what you... I didn't know you couldn't do anything with someone in a catatonic state. I mean, all I thought it was Ferris Bueller, where like Cameron goes into catatonia when they discover the mileage on his father's Ferrari. And then they kind of like (laughs) prop him up in the pool or the hot tub and... I don't know. So they did touch him. I didn't realize, like, maybe somebody, we have, we know we have the medical community that comes to our aid once in a while. What should you actually do if someone is in a catatonic state? Um, Spike, I don't think you should do what Spike does because he has, he tries to snap Buffy out of it by grabbing her shoulders and shaking her 
never shake a baby. I learned that in my baby class. <laughs> and then he slaps her, right? And it triggers his chip, so he, he gets in pain. And Xander violently pulls Spike off of Buffy and says, are you insane? We could be dealing with neurological damage here. You want to kill her? So again, like, someone write in and tell us what, what's up with that. Spike says, we have to do something. We can't just sit here watching. And then he adds, I'm willing to wager when all's said and done, Buffy likes it rough. You? we're we are trying people we are trying so hard not to rag on spike every single episode but the spike dislike is strong i'm sorry but like what the fuck was that quote right like oh she likes it rough spike she's fucking unconscious not that it matters to you she's not the buffy bot this is rape culture yes women like it rough therefore i'm justified in doing whatever i want to her body Mm. all right well, then Xander's punch a spike, and you put, yay! <laughs> or well, yay? because question. normally we're slandering Xander, so I'm just like, I'm, I'm full of confused emotions at this point. I'm just like, <laughs> did, did Xander do a good thing here? But that's also toxic masculinity, so I'm just like, but... But so my brain, like smoke's coming out of my ears at this point, trying to figure out, is this good? Is this bad? I don't know. Help. Yeah, we're sizzling. Our, our, our neurons are sizzling over this. I think it's OK because he's I, like when Xander is defending Buffy, I'm here for it because usually he's the one that's making things worse for her. So. All right. Um, Willow turns around. She's so serious and she uses magic to fling the boys apart. And she says, Buffy's out. Glory has Dawn. Sometime real soon, she's going to use Dawn to tear down the barrier between every dimension there is. So if you two want to fight, do it after the world ends, okay? There is, like, no hint of, like, Willow's, you know, typical stuttering or being, like, shy or, like, like you know, like, the way she talks usually. She's dead calm and she's collected. And she says, all right, first we head back to Sunnydale. Xander will take Giles to a hospital. Anya's looking after Tara. Spike, you find Glory. Check her apartment, see if she's still there. Try anything stupid, like payback, and I'll get very cranky. Everyone clear? And everyone's like, oh, shit. And they listen to her. Yeah. So uh, this is where I'm agreeing with your comment at the start of the episode, Steph, how this is Lieutenant Willow, like second in command. She's stepping up while Buffy's down. It really reminded me, you mentioned choices in season three. I thought of the Dark Age in season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember how there's a scene there where Willow has to take charge because Giles is out of commission. And uh, Xander and Angel start bickering in the library. And so Willow oh, kind of has to like... Is it Xander and Cordelia? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's been a while. So I, I'm <laughs> very proud I remembered the title of the episode in particular. <laughs> but yeah, like Willow kind of takes charge and she's like... We don't have time for this. And she, she, you know, she puts her foot down and it's just hilarious because she's been so mousy for the past season and a half. Yeah. And remember it also in season two in um, uh, the Bikita episode, <laughs> Snake, <laughs> um, she she called out Angel and Giles, right? Right. Maybe like, that's why I'm, I'm confusing yeah. those two things. Yeah. Because I remember there was an angel one, you know, it's, yeah, she's like talking yeah. to the man and being like, this is what we're going to do. You know, you're right. That was the one mm-hmm. I was thinking about. But um, yeah, so season two, Willow, I just remembered she had, she, she still had long hair. But yeah, so like super, like, I love when Willow gets to take charge. Yeah. And I also love because you and I had said uh, back in season two I, and season three, probably, we're like, okay, so what is the hierarchy here when it comes to leadership? Buffy giles then willow obviously and buffy is out of commission 
Giles is injured. So, of course, Willow steps up. This makes sense, right? This is great. This is continuation for the last five seasons. I love it. Anya raises her hand gingerly. She says, what will you do? Willow says she's going to help Buffy. Tara interrupts. She says, the world is spinning. It's a big day. And Willow immediately goes to reassure Tara. Spike says, don't turn me into a horned toad for asking, but what if we come across Ben? And oh my God, okay, the rest of the scene is so funny. Willow says, I don't think a doctor is what Buffy needs right now. <laughs> Even a hot doctor, uh, Willow. <laughs> that would shake me out of my... <laughs> catatonic state um spike says especially not one who also happens to be glory and everyone is so confused and giles is like what do you mean and spike tries to explain he's like well ben is glory and willow's like he means with glory so and <laughs> xander says with in what sense and anya says i think he means they're working together <laughs> and spike's like ben is glory glory's ben they're one and the same and Anya's like, when did this happen? And Spike says, not one hour ago, but right before your very eyes. And no one is picking up on these these clues <laughs> that Spike is giving. He's like, is everyone very, very stoned? <laughs> Too soon, Spike. Too soon. Don't go there. Spike. Still fresh. Stoner Joyce forever. Stoner Joyce. Rest in peace. Praise Moloch. Um, Spike says, <laughs> he's a doctor, she's the beast. Two entirely separate identities sharing one body, like a bloody sitcom. I would watch the hell out of that sitcom. Oh, I would watch it too, so, so We much. could call it Glory Days. Oh, Dr. Glory Days. Give me, give me that spinoff. Glory Days followed by Sunnydale Hospital, 6 uh, Eastern, 5 p.m. Central. Or, or... At the Grey's Anatomy Sunnydale Hospital show that we keep asking everyone to write and um, pitch to Disney, Glory and Ben work at that hospital in one body, right? And Ben is still a Nepo baby while he's there. (laughs) (laughs) So Xander starts to say, like, so you're saying Ben and Glory and Anya's like, have a connection. (laughs) And then Giles says, obviously, but what kind (laughs) So Spike realizes that Glory's worked some kind of mojo, so no one remembers when she and Ben change, and he's he's immune because he's not human. And Willow's like, so Ben and Glory are the same person? And Xander says, Glory can turn into Ben, and Ben turns back into Glory. And Anya says, and anyone who sees instantly forgets. And Spike's like, okay, they're getting it. I think they're getting it. And then Giles says, excellent. Now, do we suspect there may be some kind of connection between Ben and Glory? Oh, dear. Okay, back to square one. But you're right. This is a perfect scene because... So funny. Everybody's timing here is perfect. This is the thing about this show. All of these actors are so skilled as individuals, when you put them together, they can do magic. Yes. And the group dynamic here is top notch. Fucking love it. And I, I also want to like give Spike kudos in this because he really is trying. He's like, hello. <laughs> like he's trying to explain it. And I would get so annoyed too. <laughs> Everyone's really, really good. Let's cut to an industrial space. So there's a man welding something with a blowtorch. Uh, all around, we're seeing the people from the hospital's psych ward doing construction. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this as somebody who you know works in the construction field, Steph. Nobody's wearing proper safety equipment. Uh, so mm-hmm. OSHA in the States, I'm sure, would have a fit. 
what are your kind of rules around hiring mentally ill patients to work on construction sites like this? <laughs> um, you know, that's totally a union question. Like, are they part of the union? Can you just bring them in? Um, I would assume I would assume if you are going to hire somebody that it was made insane by suck jobs, um, you would at least outfit them in a proper attire to keep them safe. Right. You know? At the very least. Yeah. Okay, but I have a question, actually. So, obviously, Glory's like, she's preparing for tonight. She's got her robes. When did we establish that tonight's the night or today's the day? I don't know what time it is. Well, that's been coming for a couple of weeks now, right? They're like, everything's aligning. Okay, okay, okay. And then they're just like, as soon as she has dawn, it's like, tonight's the night. Yeah, I feel like there's like a window and they're like in the window right now. Okay, so it's not like a certain hour. Yeah, like she was running out of time to find Dawn, so she's really happy yeah. she's found her now. So Glory enters with Dawn, and everyone stops what they're doing and starts like bowing down and genuflecting and chanting, The key! The key! <laughs> but Glory's in a rush, uh, so she kind of like pulls Dawn into a side room. She's followed by a bunch of minions, including like a human-sized minion. <laughs> I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck is going on here? <laughs> since so, when it, and every time i say minion i'm thinking of like the despicable bee minions right it's like Same, can you imagine yeah. a human-sized despicable despicable bee minion <laughs> terrifying could we have somebody like uh deep fake like replace all of the minions in these scenes with like despicable bee minions please <laughs> when they i like the minions when they're little mat with their little voices <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so he's wearing fancy robes so he's like some kind of priest minion he's clearly leveled up he like went to like minion school <laughs> <laughs> he's got a degree in minionology he's a holy minion <laughs> uh so glory says oh, unbelievable how annoying groupies can be and one of the minions with her says, they merely sense that tonight at last the dimensional portal shall open. So the priest minion, uh, he's busy like rubbing ash all over Don's forehead, making a mark. Uh, he's saying, I must anoint the key. <laughs> and Glory's getting annoyed. She's rubbing her head. She yells at him and all the other minions to leave. She yells, get out, get out, get out, get out. And I don't know about you, Steph, but I was immediately thrown back to Dawn yelling at her family in blood ties. <laughs> yeah, it all comes screaming back in the most angsty way, which I love. Also, does this mean that Dawn is also the anointed one? <laughs> all these Ooh. kids are always the anointed one. Very interesting. interesting. Oh, we're, we're just thinking of all these past episodes today. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So Glory, like, grabs a tissue and tries to clean up Dawn. Although she just, she just smears the ash all around Dawn's forehead. Um, <laughs> and then she asks if Dawn's okay. <laughs> what do you think, Steph? I don't think she's going to be okay, but let's see what she, she says. Seems, she <laughs> seems stressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like her sister in the last episode, now Dawn's stressed. Dawn is not okay. Uh, she says, <laughs> I want to go home. And Gloria says, oh. sweetie, you're about to. Not that fake suburban nightmare the monks cooked up for you. I mean your real home. As the key. You fit the lock. Well, it's like a lock. So Dawn's crying. She's begging Gloria to stop. And Gloria asks if Dawn is nervous. And Dawn says, yes. Gloria says, I know how you feel. And so she goes on to be like, hey, it's going to be your last day as a human. And she says, this body, it's just a rental, Donnie. Being human, it's like a costume for girls like you and me. Being something else, that's what we are. So this led me to ask the question, Steph. Does Dawn have a soul? 
because we learned with like Angel and stuff that like so like everybody seems to have a soul that belongs to them and you can lose it if you become a vampire or whatever or barter it away. You can get it back if you know a witch who knows how to do that for you. So like the monks took the key and put it into human form. Dawn is now a human girl. Did they like steal a soul to use in her body to give her a soul? Like how does that did they could they do they have the ability to just create a soul from nothing? Yeah, or like we don't know what the key is. The key could just be a big green shiny soul. <laughs> right. Around. So are souls destructive when they're not in human bodies? Because the key is destructive power, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think the key is like energy, like they keep saying. I I don't know. I mean, I if I were to wager, I'd say that the because she's human that the monks created a soul for her. But maybe, yeah, maybe they reached into the ether and just pulled out any soul and put it on in there, you know? Right? Because, like, Interesting. Because if, uh, if the, the monks could create souls, so, like, if Angel loses his soul again and we can't, like, magic it back, could we just go to the monks and be like, one more soul, please? Or would it not be <laughs> Angel's soul? This is... Well, the way souls work in the Buffyverse is very confusing. <laughs> well, we had a hot stake a long time ago, a long time ago, where, you know, they had that orb of Thessala and Willow put Angel's soul in there. And um, I can't remember. I think it was the host of uh, Witch Bitches podcast who had told us that in this type of magic, she could have put anyone's soul in there. It's really hard to focus in on get the one person, specific person's soul. Mm. But like, okay, so in that case, I'm just going to make up the fact that perhaps this soul in Dawn is like one of these little girls that's, <laughs> that's died in the show in the past. <laughs> like Teresa's soul plucked out of the ether and put into Dawn's body, right? Could be anybody. Amy's mom. Amy's mom. We don't know if she's dead. She's just lying in the Sunnydale high school. Any moment now, somebody's going to come back. (laughs) Maybe it's Ford from Lie to Me. So many options. So Don tells Glory not to call her Donnie. And uh, this hurts Glory's feelings. And Glory realizes she's feeling things like guilt. Glory starts freaking out about this. She says, you did this to me, didn't you? Some sort of spell. You've been hanging around with the Wicca. You could have... But no, it's not magic. It's something else. Still, it is you doing this. Dawn says she's not doing anything. Uh, So Glory opens the door and lets the minions come back in. She commands the priest to anoint Dawn. She says, everyone out there is chanting for your blood because they found out that the blood of the key will open the door to send me home. Gloria says, knock yourself out, girlfriend. Make me feel bad as you can. I just want to point out here, nothing to do with the show. Car, your notes are annoying because there's no spelling errors. <laughs> I tried to keep some in there for you, Staff. I'm sorry. Right? Like you're just making me look bad and shitty like a shitty typer. Oh, well. <laughs> Nobody else sees your notes. Yeah, but I'm getting self-conscious because yours are so clean. So (laughs) we're in Xander and Anya's apartment. Willow is preparing a spell with Anya and Tara. Tara wants to know if Willow is sure she knows what she's doing. And she says a spell like this could be really dangerous for Buffy and you. And Tara is saying time. Time is coming. Willow comforts Tara and she asks Anya if she'll look after her. And Anya asks, what does she do? And Willow says, well, mostly just be there for her. There's some pills in my knapsack, half of one every two hours to keep her, you know, mellow. Uh, So once again, uh, we see Willow has not had any time to adjust to being Tara's caretaker, right? She's basically just keeping Tara drugged up. 
uh, which is totally understandable. Like, you know, obviously antipsychotic med medication has its purpose, uh, but this isn't sustainable, right? So if they make it out of this night alive, uh, Willow is going to have a long road figuring out how to care for Tara. Yeah. So Anya asks if Willow will be gone longer than two hours and Willow shrugs. She's like, wish me luck. And Anya like punches Willow in the arm. And she's like, good luck. <laughs> oh, Anya. And Willow tells Tara to be good and she'll be back as soon as she can. Willow just kisses her on the forehead and leaves um, to the other room. But Tara doesn't want Willow to go. So they hold. she holds out her hand. Um, Anya repeats, but more seriously this time, like, good luck to Willow. Willow goes into the bedroom and Buffy is sitting in a chair and she sits across from her on the bed and faces her and goes into some kind of trance. There's a flash of light and we're in a brightly lit room, lots of primary colors. Willow is walking into a living room with blue walls. She sees family photos of a small blonde girl in pigtails and she says, hi, Willow. And Willow says, Hello, Buffy. What did you think of this house? This house looked unreal to me. I'm like, is this actually Buffy's childhood home in Los Angeles? Or like, is this like the memory that the monks conjured of where <laughs> Buffy lived? No wonder Joyce left Hank to live in this therapist's office, right? That's what it looks like to me. It looks like a very like office kind it, of setting. It looks very strange. I don't know who lives here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what I want to say about the last two scenes we just saw, like Anya um, and Willow, and then Willow and Buffy. I like the girl time. I mean, it's not like, you know, true girl time, but like the fact mm -hmm. that Willow and Anya had some animosity earlier this season, and Anya is willingly taking care of Tara, Right. While Willow is preoccupied, they trust each other. They're friends. They're a group. They're a team. Everyone's really stepping up in this episode. Yeah. I love that. And then also, like, just I love getting this Buffy and Willow friendship time. <laughs> and again, Buffy's in a catatonic right. state, so it's not quite the same. But Willow is <laughs> stepping up for her friend. The things Willow has to do to spend time with Buffy. <laughs> It's like, oh, good. She she can't run away. Now I can get into her, inside her brain and see what she's thinking about. But the point is, like, all season, I've been like, Tara's a better friend to Buffy right now. There's barely any Willow and Buffy scenes. And when there are, it's Willow giving her bad advice. So I just really like in this episode that they're reinforcing not only the friendships between the Scoobies and how the Scoobies are a gang and how they're, they're uh, a unit, and work really well together and accept each other's commands, except not Xander's because they shouldn't. <sighs> but Buffy and Willow are really establishing the fact that they have a connection and Willow knows how to help her friend. She's been a good friend here and I like it. Yeah. So cut to Spike breaking down the door to Glory's apartment. He walks in, takes in the state of the place. It's all disheveled, right? Everything's being packed up, moved around, uh, takes out a cigarette, lights the cigarette, wanders around the apartment noticing it's being cleaned out he finds a door that he opens and he goes inside and it's just this it, it's it's like when you like open a door in a house and you go into a completely different house it's just a totally different apartment totally different vibe it's like spartan there's like a sink and one light bulb and then a single bed uh and we have a close-up of ben's scrubs hanging there with his hospital id tag so you were right and when you said last episode, Steph, maybe Ben is subletting from Glory. <laughs> it is possible. <laughs> I think it's so interesting how he chooses to live in a separate space within the same apartment where it's like, and it's like, he's like depriving himself. You know, Glory 
is like all over the place, just like sprawling with luxury. And he's like, no, I'm going to live in my tiny little bed and be sad. Yeah. He's like fighting against her so hard in his own little way, <laughs> in his minimalist way. Yeah. We go back into the dream world that Buffy is in. Uh, and so we have the, the little girl. I'm just going to call her Young Buffy. Young Buffy asks, what are you doing here? And Willow says that she's looking for Buffy. And Young Buffy asks if Willow likes dolls. Willow ignores the question and wants to know what Buffy is doing here. And Young Buffy says, I like it here. Willow says, we need you. You have to come out. Young Buffy says, why? Willow says, to be with your friends. And Young Buffy says, it's a big day for me. So suddenly, we hear a voice that we didn't think we would hear again. And I, Steph, I forgot that Christine Sutherland comes back for this episode. Mm -hmm. This was painful in a way. It yeah. was like, you know, this little like wrenching feeling in my gut of like, oh my goodness. <laughs> like I had forgotten that we get one more like Joyce moment. Oh. Yeah. Via flashback. It's so nice to see her. It's yes. just nice. It's just you know nice. Who's, you know who's not? It's not nice to see though. <laughs> Hank. <laughs> Yeah. That piece of shit, Hank. <laughs> yeah. Joyce calls out, hello. Uh, and the door opens and young Buffy runs over to the door and she says, mommy, daddy. Uh, so Joyce and that motherfucker, Hank, <laughs> roll up. They got a baby <laughs> bundle. And Joyce says, are you ready to meet your new sister? Young Buffy crosses her arms around herself and gives them the the saltiest, sassiest look I've ever seen on like a five-year-old girl. And uh, sleazeball secretary screwing Hank says, come on now, Buffy. She's nothing to be afraid of. Shut up, Hank. <laughs> Thank you. Young Buffy says, who's afraid? Joyce asks young Buffy if she wants to be a big sister. And young Buffy says, no, I want to be the baby. Hank is an unsympathetic loser. And <laughs> uh, he doesn't, you know, do anything to comfort his first daughter who's talking about how she's worried that her parents are going to pay more attention to her sister now which is a legit fear and you should probably be nicer to your kid hank so joyce leans down um to show young buffy the baby and uh young buffy like takes this moment to kind of break uh kayfabe and turns to willow and remarks almost offhand she's like isn't she funny like a wrinkly old grandpa I really liked how, how this actor read that line. Uh, young Buffy is killing it. That was a very Buffy delivery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Joyce <laughs> puts the baby in young Buffy's arms and coaches her on how to hold it uh, and says, we're calling her Dawn. And Willow's just kind of like, Dawn. And young Buffy says uh, she could look after Dawn if Joyce needs a helper. Mom, can I take care of her? And Joyce, of course, says yes. <sighs> what did you think about this moment, Steph? So sweet. <laughs> so, right. So sweet. Um, I, you know, I found it very, like, just Buffy's journey in this episode alone, starting off with this particular moment in the first, you know, moment in her brain that Willow enters. I think back to what Buffy has gone through this season. Like, this just season five, let alone the entire series so far. And girl, I would go catatonic too. Honestly, <laughs> like, we forget, like, back in Prophecy Girl, like, the season finale of season one when she tells giles like i'm 16 years old i don't want to die i'm taken back to these moments in buffy's right. life the, the episode's called way to the world because she does carry that burden and here is like the scene of dawn joyce and hank together her family which is all broken apart now joyce is dead 
Hank is missing in action. Dawn's been taken, will be dead soon. Like, I'm just reminded of the journey that she's gone on from when she was a little girl all the way to now. And that's why I think this scene is significant. Again, like, I don't blame Buffy for wanting to stay in this moment. The, the moment where she is asking to take on responsibility for the first time. And then we shoot forward, what, like <laughs> 10, 15 years later and look at where where she is now. Right? Like, it makes sense that this is the moment they're showing. Yeah. I mean, everything in this episode is about the weight of the world. And if I can get a little bit, like, metaphorical, uh, not to put too much pressure on you as an expecting parent, Steph, but in many ways, the weight of the world could also be interpreted as being, like, just having the responsibility of caring for a child, caring for Dawn, right? Like, mm -hmm. when Joyce hands young Buffy that baby... Young Buffy has the weight of a world in her hands because every person is a world. And, you know, those of us who are in a responsibility of caring for a child, when we have a child who literally depends on us to live, like that is the weight of a world. You know, you're carrying one around inside you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Joy, like she first she asked Joyce, do you need a helper? Right. Like I can take care of her, too. And now that's why, again, like the, this feeling of family. Right. Like mm -hmm. Joyce is gone. Hank is gone. So it is up to Buffy in her mind to take care of Dawn and no longer be the helper, but be the caregiver. So, yeah. So I agree that it's, you know, there are sweet things we can read about this exchange. But I have to point out that when I watched the scene, what really came to my mind was how this just emphasizes how we socialize women from such a young age to be caregivers, right? The messages we send to girls is they are expected to be the responsible ones who take care of their younger siblings uh, and take on like maternal roles of responsibility even before their adolescence, right? Like this young Buffy is a kid here, you know, and, and we very seldom foist the same expectations onto young boys. Yeah. Like, yeah, if they had brought Dawn home and she had an older brother, would the little boy have offered help, right? right. We don't know. Maybe Hank would have been more involved. <laughs> Hank would be like, let's go play catch. Yeah, seriously, let's leave the woman in here. Let me go teach you how to shave, son. It's like, I'm five. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's that's a really good point. Um, yeah, lots of ways to read this scene. I, I like what you're saying there, though, about, yeah, about the, the pressure of taking care of Dawn falling onto Buffy, not just because she's going to be the future Slayer or she's a bigger sister, but because possibly because she's a young woman, a young girl yeah. in our society, right? So while this is happening, Willow is still, you know, observing in this room, but she kind of turns. We see her turn and, and see something. And suddenly we are in the magic box and the adult Buffy is there. She's putting a book away on a shelf. She pauses. Her finger lingers on the spine of the book. Then she turns and walks away. And we see Willow kind of turn again to look at young Buffy, except now we're outdoors. It's nighttime. There's a fire in front of her. And Willow's just like, okay. <laughs> she didn't go do the hokey pokey dance in the, in the desert. She doesn't know what this is. She's like, what is this? So <laughs> Giles is getting out of his hospital bed and putting on his coat because, yes, he got stabbed in the gut or the stomach, we're not sure. But Kara has put in capitals earlier that day. <laughs> but he's all good now. That's because Ben, the sexy murdering intern with the minimalist bedroom, obviously took good care of him. I was going to say, like, where's the where's the uh, forms doctor? 
back when Riley was in the hospital with his heart troubles, being like, okay, you can't check yourself out here, right? Like, Giles, Giles was on death's door, like, a couple hours ago, and now he's fine? <laughs> one can assume the HR doctor fired him. <laughs> he went on a rampage one week and just let everybody go. Um, <laughs> so Xander says, Giles, how, how, like, asks Giles how he's doing, and Giles says, it only hurts when I answer pointless questions. <laughs> Saucy. Saucy. Giles is fine. <laughs> Giles feels great. Where's Buffy? Xander says, Will's working some spell to reach Buffy psychically. And Giles remarks that, he's like, that's extraordinarily advanced. Okay, but Giles, is it more or less advanced than when Buffy had to do that, like, red circle on her floor? <laughs> and, like, you know, like remember the one that, like, revealed hidden spells yeah. or whatever? <laughs> like, is it? So Giles suggests they check on Glory's victims. Xander has already done that. He says very insensitively that the vegetable section's closed. Nobody's there. It's like they all got up and walked away. Steph, I choose to believe that Xander went up there and ran into the chatty doctor who told Xander exactly what happened last episode. And that's why Xander's correct in this statement. <laughs> yeah, and he happened to run into Xander because he was hiding out so the HR doctor wouldn't come fire him. <laughs> That's, oh my god give us the hospital show right now uh, uh, and then and then what hey whatever happened to like that you know, like the judgy doctor remember the drugs doctor <laughs> the anti-drug doctor anyway spike shows up um he steals some from um the cart he, he takes some dinner in a bag i.e. blood and he pockets it and then he says he checked out glory's flat looks like this great the great one has scampered and giles knows that they're all clueless now like where the fuck is she and spike says not entirely i know this bloke well not so much a bloke so much as a demon but still bookish all tuned in to the nastier corners of this magic world it's a bit of a last resort really but still we might persuade him to suss out glory's game plan so spike lights a cigarette despite a no smoking sign in the background this actually shoots me back to out of my mind when harmony lit a cigarette and the that that doctor was like put that out and he points at the sign she's like oh sorry <laughs> uh, so out. many callbacks in this episode i love it i know it must be the end of the season so giles and xander have better ideas they say they they so they split up and spike and xander go to look for the lead um and they'll all meet back at the magic box right so spike says found ben's room at glory's didn't learn much and xander's like ben at glory's you're saying all this time he's been subletting from her and Spike says, this is going to be worth it. And he slaps Xander in the back of the head, triggering his chip. So they both scream out in pain. And Spike says, last time, from the top. I like this. I like the whole Spike and Xander buddy dynamic, especially the parts where Xander's getting hurt. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I like the dynamic, especially because neither of them are being perverted right now. So Right. They're perfect for each other. <laughs> right? Why don't you guys just go off together into the sunset and Aww. leave the next season alone. <laughs> so we're back at the construction site, and Gloria's having a hard time. Uh, she sighs. She says, I'm hating this, Merc. So that's how we know the, the one minion's name is Merc. Uh, and I wrote this note just for you, Steph, because every time that you write notes, right, we're all about drag, the drag love. So I, I wanted to make sure I did that for you. Justice for drag. You know, like we knew his name. That's how important he was. We knew his name right from the beginning. 
Lori said his name. I'm pretty sure that he died in that fight at with the knights, like during the LARPers, like mm-hmm. overnight meeting. I think he died in that in that <laughs> rampage, and I'm so sad. He would have been so great on this very glorious day. So the female minion asks, uh, and this would be what exactly, your holiness? Because Gloria just said, I'm hating this. Gloria says, memories. I'm starting to remember the things Ben did. People he spoke with, stuff he wore. Uh, So she calls out to Don, uh, who's still just kind of chilling (laughs) in a chair with the priest minion tutting over her. And Gloria says, he came to see you, didn't he? Don says, Ben? Gloria says, yeah, Ben. You called into the desert when you were hiding from me, and he came. And then he was me. You remember? And when Don says yes, Glory whirls around and freaks out at the minions, and she says, she's not supposed to remember that. Nobody should. The cloak between Ben and me is fading. I almost helped her. He, I, I wanted to. I can't do this. So she grabs Priest Minion, and she tells him to get Ben out of her. She calls Ben the human meat sack who's infecting <laughs> me. And she's like, desperate she's like help me she collapses onto the floor she's like i'm thinking ben's thoughts and i'm feeling his feelings and i and before she can finish her sentence she morphs into ben who finishes the sentence saying can't kill the girl and then she turns back into herself and collapses and the priest i guess he you know i guess he thinks he's all that because he's just normal height he's like I can't help you. He says, you risk terrible (laughs) magics, with a K, uh, in opening the portal. Nothing comes without a price. This is yours. And Glory does not like that answer. She says, and to me, this is like the the most like real housewives moment. She's like, gods don't pay. So she grabs Don by the throat and yells, we do this now. This is all very the Grinch to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> when the Grinch's heart grows three sizes oh, at Christmas, and he like freaks out, and he's like, "I'm leaking," because <laughs> he starts crying. <laughs> That's the vibe I'm getting from this. It must like just like we said when Angelus was wanting to end the world because he was still feeling love for Buffy, and he like wanted to reject it. And you made the suggestion that he it might be causing him pain to feel the kind of love that he's feeling. And I was like, possibly with Glory too. Like, I mean, it's obviously a nuisance to have Ben's feelings in her, but it's making her so deeply uncomfortable. It's possibly a little bit painful, right? Drives her a little bit more insane. Yeah. So we cut back to Willow and she's in the desert with Buffy, like um, in the episode Intervention. And we see Sinea, the first Slayer, once again. And she says, I know you. You're you're the first original Slayer who tried to kill us in our dreams. How you been? <laughs> So, Vinaya repeats that whole conversation that she had with Buffy. Death is your gift. And Buffy says, death? And she's like, is your gift? And remember when we covered that in Intervention, we were like, mm-hmm. Sinea is so annoyed. <laughs> Keep up, she, Buffy. Like, Come on. Where is that cougar podcast we wanted back in that episode? So, Willow says, wait, death is her what? And Vinaya repeats it again. Death is your gift. So poor Sinea just called into this earth to just repeat the same thing over and over again. We cut to Buffy, who's putting the book away in the magic shop, stuck in some kind of loop, um, oblivious to Willow's presence there. And then we see Buffy walking down a hallway of her house and Willow calls out, where are you going? I noticed her top two, actually. 
Kara. You know, you pointed out her outfit here. Black jeans, black tank top. She's she's Very looking chic. good. You can see her guns. Her hair is pulled back. Yeah. Very good. And and I it's important to know what she's wearing because later on there's going to be two Buffies and it's very confusing. Uh, so we're back to Glory choking out Dawn. There's a lot of like stuff all happening at the same time in this episode. So we just keep cutting back and forth. So Merck's trying to intercede. He's reminding Glory that if they kill the key now, all will be lost. And I don't know if you noticed this stuff, but he's so upset in this moment, he doesn't even toady up to her. He's, he just calls her Glorificus with no, like, title or, like, uh, groveling. Boo! I, I wrote this note specifically for you, Steph. Yeah, like, no silky smoothness. <laughs> yeah, like, you can read the note if you want. <laughs> the note is, uh, Drag would never let himself slip that way, and this is disgraceful. <laughs> right? Like, Drag had higher standards. He was always toadying to glory. Justice for drag. So the female minion adds, we'll be stuck on this mortal plane forever. Um, So Glory's getting slack. Like, Glory's getting uh, salt from her minions now, right? Like, they're not even pretending um, to be be obedient now. Glory calms down. She says they're right. And uh, Dawn gets her breath back. Glory tells everybody to leave again. She needs her girl time with Dawn. Uh, So once the two of them are alone, Glory asks Dawn, how do they do it? And Dawn asks do what glory says people how do they function here like this in this world with all this bile running through them every day it's woo you have no control they're not even animals they're just these meat baggy slaves to to hormones and pheromones and their feelings hate them so Glory keeps ranting, asking, you know, is, is this what the poets go on about? And she she calls human emotion useless as a hardcore drug. Uh, and she declares people are puppets. Everyone is getting jerked around. Am I wrong? Dawn says, depends on the person. Glory says, so you're saying some people like this? She's like genuinely disgusted by this. And, Glo- and Dawn says, some. And Glory says, funny. Because I look at this world you're so eager to be a part of, and all I see is six billion lunatics looking for the fastest ride out. Who's not crazy? Look around. Everyone's drinking, smoking, shooting up, shooting each other, or just plain screwing their brains out because they don't want them anymore. I'm crazy. Honey, I'm the original one-eyed chicklet in the kingdom of the blind. Because at least I admit the world makes me nuts. Name one person who can take it here. That's all I'm asking. Name one. And Don, somewhat timidly, but still very defiantly, replies, Buffy. <laughs> Which, as we're seeing in the rest of this episode, <laughs> she's a little stressed. May right not now. be the case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have news for you, Don. <laughs> Don, shh. Sh- 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 this is such a dark rant, Steph. Yeah. Um, I was depressed after I watched this on Sunday night. Were you really? I, I kind of saw her point. <laughs> No, that's what I mean. Because I'm like, yeah, yeah you're not wrong. She's and not wrong. way more than six billion people now. Oh. Yeah, I know. Like, the world is shitty. It is messed up to be a human being in this world sometimes. People are really messy. The world is messy, right? Honest, honestly, I, I'm getting through it because I have this podcast with you. <laughs> same, same, same. Um, we find our little joys and we find our, our pockets of joy and experiences. And, you know, you, you find your life. But... I mean, Glory is obviously evil and seeing the negative side of everything, but yeah, the, the speech, it didn't, it didn't bum me out. I was just kind of like, I hear you, <laughs> right? 
I, I hear I hear what Preach. she's saying. Why? Like that's why. Like she's saying like who likes this? Well, <laughs> none of us have asked to be here, <laughs> right? That's we true. can all blame our parents. We're, if we can all turn into angsty fourteen-year-olds for a second, <laughs> like I didn't ask to be here. Right? Like, I was just in doing nothing, not existing. And then all of a sudden, my parents are like, we want another baby. And then now I'm here and I got to pay taxes? Fuck this. <laughs> and now I'm doing the same thing to someone else. <laughs> the cycle continues. <laughs> because I'm also <laughs> just like these people that Glory is. You're just such about. a puppet staff. I'm just a sheep. Right? So <laughs> wake up. <laughs> uh. So we let's go quickly back to Xander's bedroom. Uh, Buffy and Willow are, uh, you know, they're still staring at each other. <laughs> and um, Willow is in Buffy's head, following her down the hallway, pleading for her, right? Like, I can't keep following you around like this, Buffy. We have to go. And Buffy opens the door to, I believe, what is Joyce's room. And Willow says, you have to talk to me. And she stops because she sees in Joyce's room, there's a fresh grave. You know, the dirt is fresh. The tombstone says Joyce Summers, 1958 to 2001. And we're reminded how young Joyce was when she died, which is very sad. And um, Willow stands next to Buffy and they're both looking at the grave. She says, I'm sorry. Buffy says, don't be. Death is my gift. She's getting it. <laughs> Sunea will be so happy. Um, <laughs> or imagine Bobby was just like, don't be death. <laughs> Sunea's going to be like, it's your gift. And Will says, yeah, I keep hearing that, but I'm not exactly sure like what it means. Oh my God, these dumb white bitches. <laughs> what else could it mean? Death is, it's your gift. Gift is death. <laughs> Buffy says it's really not that complicated. No, it's <laughs> <laughs> what's more. What is more complicated? Figuring out what Sinea means when she says "death is your gift," or figuring out that Ben and Glory are connected in some way. Are they? Uh. <laughs> uh, they go into Dawn's bedroom. Dawn's lying on the bed, crying or grieving. And Willow says, not for you, maybe. And Buffy says, it's what I do. You've known me for how long? It's what I'm here for. It's all I am. And Buffy turns to Dawn. She picks up a pillow from the bed and she starts to smother her as Dawn struggles. This is dark. This is darker than Glory's little speech there. Mm -hmm. And Willow yells, Buffy, stop. No, like, God, no. And you notice, like, Willow's not interfering with what Buffy's up to. Like, I don't think she can touch her. She can only, like, watch and comment on things she doesn't understand, like death is your gift. Buffy doesn't stop. She says, I keep telling you, Will, I figured it out. Death is my gift. Finally. <laughs> and Dawn dies. <laughs> Back to Glory. Uh, she says, oh, Ben, this is really not a good time. She turns into Ben, uh, who asks Dawn if Glory has heard her. And Dawn says, not yet. So Ben sits down, and it's her turn to freak out. Everybody's freaking out this episode. Uh, he can remember Glory killing all the LARPers from last episode, <laughs> which, again, was the same day. Um, <laughs> which is like says, an hour ago. <laughs> she slaughtered hundreds of men, but I can feel them breaking. I'm remembering her, aren't I? The things she's done, the things she's going to do. She also remembers all the people you killed, Ben. You're like, your, your hands are not clean here. <laughs> the six uh, mental patients that he had murdered. That's the one we know about. So remember, he keeps talking about how he cleaned up Glory's messes. So 
I don't know. Right, uh, right, he, right. She also, Gloria must also remember Ben's awkward flirting. <laughs> okay, no, it wasn't him who was awkward. It was Buffy who was awkward. I, I feel like he was a little awkward. <laughs> so Dawn's trying to uh, get Ben to help her before Gloria comes back, but Ben's, like, just not registering. Uh, he's on the Buffy death is my gift level of registering <laughs> things right now. Uh, he's very upset that Gloria messed up his nepotism job at Sunnydale Hospital. Oh, so pissed. You know, he's like, I have a life. Glory, she never wants things about me and all this. Such an entitled man. Mm. Uh, so Don, once again, is like begging Ben to help her. Uh, there's a knock on the door from the priest minion. You know, he's like, is everything okay in there? So Ben opens the door. The priest is like, you're not. Ben grabs the priest, headbutts him, knocks him out. He turns to Don and finally says, I'll take you as far as I can. Ditch you before she comes back. And they flee. I want to jump back into that joke you and I just made about Buffy and Ben awkwardly flirting. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Somebody somebody messaged us or commented on a, one of our Instagrams with the funniest joke about flirting. Because I guess we had just finished Crush where we were like, let's believe Buffy that she is not into Spike and definitely was not has not been flirting with him like the last two seasons. And again, I apologize. I forget the person's name. But they were like, well, we definitely know that Buffy wasn't ever flirting with spike because we've seen her flirt with ben and it's she's terrible at it <laughs> so there's, exactly. there's there's no way she could be that subtle <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point yeah so let's let's get to back to young buffy right who's asking willow what she's doing here so they're back in her little weird house therapist living room <laughs> which is what i suspected they were squatting <laughs> Or maybe, like, like who's taking care of Buffy while they were at the hospital? Maybe they're at her aunt's house or something. I don't know. Um, Willow says, I'm looking for you here again. And young Buffy says, do you like dolls? And Buffy and Willow's like, no, I think we're already deja vu, deja the, the zoo. And young Buffy laughs and says, you talk funny. And Willow says, yes. <laughs> As you'll tell me again when we're older and in chem class. Buffy, what are we doing here? And young Buffy says, don't you like it here? And Willow says, we don't have time. And the same scene from before plays out. Joyce and <laughs> you call them stink. <laughs> um, enter. Uh, show Buffy the baby. As this happens, Willow can see adult Buffy at the corner of her eye, putting the book away. Cut back to young Buffy repeating, I could be the one to look after her sometimes. Mm. Interesting. You know what, though? I still think this is a sweet scene. <laughs> You know why? That's fine. Yeah, no, I agree that there's elements of sweetness. I'm not saying it's a a completely horrible scene. I just, that was something that I thought about while I was watching that original scene. Yeah. Yeah. One of the other reasons why I find it so sweet is, again, like we're seeing, I guess, Stanky's there. (laughs) Stanky hanky. Um, But uh, more importantly, we keep, we go back to the past, right? Uh, A part where she she keeps saying, I want to stay here. I want to stay right here. It's a moment between her, Joyce, and Dawn where they're solidifying their union, their family. And this never happened, right? This is a memory that was planted in her. It's not real. Right. That's a really good point. But Buffy doesn't care about that. It's important to her. And it just shows how much Buffy loves Dawn. And I think this is why I, I just, whenever I see this little scene, I'm always like, aw, <laughs> you know? Because these women are never going to be together again. So, of course, she wants to stay. Yeah, that's a good point. We're back at the creepy dude's house. You remember the the creepy 
uh, little like demon guy, grandpa guy in Forever. Yeah, he was so who legit. Who helped out Spike and Don. Yeah, we were like, this guy's fine. Yeah. Yeah, no red flags. <laughs> uh, so we're at his house. He's just kind of sitting at a table with his books and stuff. There's a knock on the door. He says, it's always open. So Spike and Xander come in uh, and the creepy dude offers them hot cocoa. Would you have hot cocoa with this guy? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Are the little marshmallows, the little marshmallows he's going to add in? I don't know if I trust the little marshmallows from this guy. <laughs> no, don't take don't take candy or hot chocolate mixes from strangers. <laughs> so Spike says they need information. Uh, before he can go on, Xander interrupts with an epiphany. Uh, I was just like, okay, Xander, don't pull a muscle here. <laughs> um, Xander says, Ben's glory. <laughs> the creepy dude is like, who's what? And so I, I, I didn't like what, what Spike says here. And I, I will repeat it because I think it's worth calling out. Spike calls Xander special ed, which yeah. is basically like a dressed up way of using the R slur. Mm-hmm. Which I, So I'm just like, oh, Spike, seriously? And then Xander says, it's like a fog has been lifted. So Spike's turning back to the creepy dude uh, and says, hell god type, name of glory. And Xander's like, a.k.a. Ben. <laughs> uh, has gone missing she's brewing up some major league bad and she's nicked the slayer's kid sister in the bargain creepy dude says oh that girl you brought here sweet little thing how'd things work out with her mom changed her mind didn't she how do you know yeah what the hell oh there's a typo right there oh oh i caught a typo Kara's like the rest of us imperfect <laughs> I'll I'll uh, go go hang my head in shame now. Uh, Spike says, "Yeah, you got any idea where Glory would take her?" Uh, the creepy dude stands up from where he was sitting and he walks around. And he ponders, like, "Glory, Glory. Oh, you mean Glorificus? Gosh, why do you want to get mixed up with her? That's a sure way to get yourselves killed. I hear she's awfully unpleasant." So he's walking to another table. And he turns his back to them and then he turns back around. And he says. When it comes to hell gods, my best advice is to get out of the way and stay there. And Spike says, love to. Can't. Creepy dude says, well, I'm just a small town guy and Glorificus is big city. So Spike repeats that glory has dawned. And this creepy dude says, well, I may know a fella who knows a fella in China. Same. <laughs> do you do you know one person in China, Steph? <laughs> I definitely know a fella who knows a fella there. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> Uh, Spike says, how the hell are we supposed to get to China? Teleport? And the creepy dude's like, oh, I guess. So Spike is noticing something's up, which creepy dude really just should have stayed put, because otherwise they wouldn't have known what they were looking for. But he couldn't help himself. So Spike notices the creepy dude is like trying to like hide something. And he accuses creepy dude of lying and standing in front of what they need. And so finally, Steph, we get like an actual action sequence of fight. Now you know how it feels. This is the chance <laughs> in your notes where you get a little bit of a break. <laughs> you know? So the creepy dude leaps around Spike, grabs a sword that he has, points it at Spike, says, idiot. Uh, he turns, and I was not expecting this. He like super extends his tongue like a frog, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he uses it to knock xander away and he says to spike he's like you think only underworld bottom feeders worship the beast <laughs> this guy's such a groupie also like you don't got to do the minions like that 
Right? I, I bet I bet he never even met Glory. I bet he like found out about her on some kind of forum and he so he's like in her fan club, but he's like, you know, right? yeah, like I'm in I'm in with Glory tight. And it's like, no, you've never even seen her. Also, like, what kind of demon is he? Is he's he's like Toad from X-Men, like with his long tongue, you know? The creepy dude grabs a wooden box that he was protecting. He throws it in his fireplace. Uh, he says, Her day is coming, boys. He grabs Spike and he adds, When she returns, then you're gonna see something. So Xander, like, intercedes. He grapples with Creepy Dude on the floor. Spike goes to rescue the box from the fire, uh, which he manages to do. Xander grabs the sword, runs Creepy Dude through with the sword, and he asks, what have we got? Spike says, something worth dying for. So they go to leave with the box, um, and we're left seeing Creepy Dude staring up lifeless. So I just... I don't like doing this, but I'm going to. I'm just going to say, well done, Xander. Right? I mean, yeah. hey, hey, we're season five. They've been fighting demons and monsters for a long time now. But um, this is good. This is, this is good. This is good of him. <laughs> this is a good job. I, I, honest, I honestly have no real objections about Xander in this episode. No, Spike's you know? taking all the gross lines. Yeah. Go, Xander. Yeah, that, that was brave, and he, he killed him with a sword. Good for him. I'm sure we'll be back to Xander Slander in no time. Don't worry, people. I know. People are always so upset when we don't do it. Like, <laughs> why? So back to Xander's bedroom uh, and back into Buffy's head. Willow says, Buffy, will you just stop a second and listen to me? And she's following Buffy down the hallway again. Willow grabs Buffy's arm so she can't touch her and says, you have to stop the doing this. Buffy says, doing what? Willow says, killing Dawn. And Buffy says, why? Willow says, because this never, never, this never happened. You've never killed your sister. Buffy says, Will, I did this. And Willow says, I, in your imagination, none of this is real. You're stuck in some kind of time loop. And Buffy says, I don't know what you're talking about. Excuse me. And she turns to go through the loop again. And Willow asks Buffy why she's doing this. Meanwhile, uh, in the, the, the so-called real world, Dawn and Ben are on the run. Dawn says, I think they see us. And Ben says, just stay close to me. Don't look back. So they go into an alley. Uh, ben tells her to stay still. And he turns to look around the corner, see what's going on. And Dawn uses this opportunity. She's found just some random chains lying around in this alley. <laughs> uh, and she one hits KO. She one hit KOs him. And he goes mm. down. Oh, nice. And she says, I'm sorry. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, yes, Dawn, rescue yourself here. Like, you don't need this guy. Yeah, he's like Giles. He just goes down in one hit. <laughs> Uh, so Dodd goes to leave, but of course, knocking out Ben maybe wasn't the best plan because we hear Glory say, sorry, and she stands up behind Dawn. She's holding the chains. Oops. So she calls Dawn a prepubescent puke and says <laughs> that Dawn actually hurt her. She says, you hit Ben in his soft human head, and I remember the pain. Glory says, you probably think I won't waste any precious blood of yours till tonight. You're right. But I know a thousand ways to hurt you that won't spill a drop. And I'm not sure what the politically correct term is here, Steph. She starts manhandling Dawn. Is there a gender neutral way of saying that? Is it woman handling? Is it God handling? Key handling. Key handling, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, so Dawn, you know, she's like grabbing Dawn, trying to get her out of the alley. Uh, she says that she's going to take all of the pesky feelings and mash them back down where they belong. And then she says, let's have big girl fun. So she lets go of Dawn. And she says to herself, and her voice has kind of changed, but she says, leave her alone. And she turns into Ben and he repeats, leave her alone. And then she turns back into Glory and says, 
A little late in the game to start growing a backbone, Benjamin. Now be good and stay quiet. I'm strong. You're weak. This is reality. Stop trying to infect me with your... So at this point, they start like going back and forth, just every sentence, <laughs> finishing each other's sentence. There's just constant revolving door of changing. Uh, so Ben's basically like telling her like she's finally feeling humanity and he welcomes her to the world. And so while they're kind of having this conversation with themselves, Don's like trying to sneak away all quiet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Glory notices and grabs her and throws her against a dumpster, which is like, again, like Glory's taking some risks here. That could have inadvertently killed Don. So Glory's like trying to negotiate with Ben. She says, you know, he doesn't have to die. Uh, if he gives up trying to help Don, then Glory could like him a lot, uh, you know, enough to keep him alive, make him immortal even. Um, and at first, Ben says he won't make a deal with Glory, that he wouldn't be able to live with himself, not even for a day, let alone eternity. Um, but they keep going back and forth, uh, and clearly she's wearing him down. So eventually he gives in. He he stays in control of the body, and Ben says to Don, he says, I'm sorry. So he reaches down to grab her wrist. And at first, Don's kind of like, oh my goodness, finally, like, you know, he's going to help me again. But he grabs her wrist and he pulls her up and he's, he takes her back to the minions who are waiting for them. And he says, I'm sorry, you know, don't make this harder than it is. I've got no choice. It's you or me. Mm. Fuck you, Ben. <laughs> yeah, Ben. Um, I don't care how sexy you are. Fuck you. So, so I'm just very disappointed in this guy. I'm not surprised, but I'm disappointed. Like, I don't care how hard your life has been. Yes, you've been shackled to a hell god. Right? But you did manage to somehow get into a position of being a doctor at Sunnydale Hospital. Like, you've obviously gone through med school or whatever. We're talking about the life of a 14-year-old girl here. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to be all high and mighty and be like, oh, I'd sacrifice my life for a 14-year-old girl. I've never been in that situation. I can't honestly say what I'm going to do. But, like, man, the fuck up, Ben. Like, what's going on yeah. here? I I'm not surprised at all that he is choosing himself over the world, that he's choosing himself over a 14-year-old girl. That doesn't surprise me. But like you said, it disappoints me. I'm actually shot back. Again, this episode's doing a really good job of making us think about older episodes, <laughs> but I'm shot back to lie to me when Ford was making the choice to give up Buffy and kill all these people so that he could become a vampire. Exactly, and Buffy tells yeah. him, she tells him, it's about a choice, right? You're choosing to do this, but you don't right. have to. There's, there's always... It's not a good choice, but you have a choice. And um, so much of this episode is about choices. And Ben had a choice here. He's choosing wrong, just like Ford did. Yeah. And I can, I can anticipate. I think some people might try to argue that we're supposed to feel sympathy for Ben here. And I get that. I think your comparison with Ford is really apt. I also think like we just haven't had enough time to understand Ben's situation. The writers really took their time getting us to this point. This is supposed to be a love interest for Buffy this season, right? Like, you know, last, yeah, he did show up last episode to help Buffy. And he was like, I'll stay as long as you need me. But like, he's not a good guy. You know, the idea that the writers were like, let's make him the love interest for Buffy. It's like, no. And that choice was sus anyway. Because again, we like we know that Ben and Gloria yeah. are the same person. So him going there was a big mistake if he really actually wanted to help buffy and save the world he wouldn't have gone he stayed away this is all yeah you're right this is all ben's fault it's all ben's fault and i'm not that, again i'm not surprised um but i i do detect an error in ben's development this season again like you're saying was he supposed to be a love interest 
Or was he supposed to be an ally in some way or just a way to connect uh, Glory more to the human world? We, um, all those things, probably. But we didn't get enough of his backstory, just like Riley. Like, so wh- wh- where's his family? Did he lose them because of Glory? Like, was he yeah. forced to, like, give them up or did Glory kill them? He keeps saying like she took everything from me, but all we saw him lose was his nepo job. So right, if this were being made today, uh, this season would be ten episodes long, and one of the ep- an entire one of those ten episodes would be just Ben's backstory with none of the Absolutely. other cast members in it. Yes, yes, because maybe... that's how we tell stories on TV nowadays, right? Where like maybe he had a little sister as well, which is why he like connects to Dawn and like you know like like for sure, for sure. So we didn't get that. So again, like this, his decision to side with Glory here is not surprising, but there is definitely that element of a lost opportunity with us caring more about Ben's betrayal here. Like Ford's betrayal was like more shocking to me back in season two. <laughs> Lies. Lies. So cut to the grave in um, in the bedroom again. And Willow says, no, Buffy, leave Don alone. What is this? And Buffy says, my gift. This is what I do. Death is her gift, everybody. Willow says, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about... And they walk through the door into the magic box and Willow finishes this. They And then they watch the magic box Buffy shelve the book again. Willow's like, right here, it happened. I know it's something small, but what? And uh, Buffy, um, the one that is talking to Willow in all black, says, don't go there, Will. And Willow says, you're the one who keeps dragging me back here. You wouldn't be doing this if you weren't trying to show me something. And Buffy's like, do I? <laughs> So Will's like, come on, it's your brain. Just tell me what happened here. Uh, Willow, all right, like, I I like what you're doing here. You're being a good friend. You're forcing the subject here. But like, you just said it's your brain. Willow, you're just entering Buffy's brain (laughs) willy-nilly. You have to be along for the ride. Remember, Steph, Willow can do whatever she wants, and nobody can ever question her use of magic. (laughs) Well, God forbid um, she asked for Buffy's consent to enter her mind like this. Oh, well. Uh, Well, I guess when it's saving the world, it's okay. I don't know. It's life-saving treatment, right? Like, Yeah. Buffy is not able to give consent, right? So the rules of first aid say... If they're if somebody's unconscious, you assume consent. You assume they want to be saved. I would give anyone permission to do this if the world might end. If they don't, no tips. <laughs> there it is. So um, Buffy says, "This is when I quit." Will and Will says, "You did." And Buffy says, just for a second, I remember. And then the two Buffies, um, the one with the book and the one in all black, they alternate what they're talking about. And they say, um, Buffy was putting a book back for Giles when it hit her. She can't beat Glory. Glory's going to win. And Will says, you can't know that. And Buffy says, I didn't just know it. I felt it. Glory will beat me. And in that second, knowing it will, I wanted it to happen. So Will asks why. And Buffy says, I wanted it over. It's too much for me. I just wanted it over. If Glory wins, Dawn dies, I would grieve. People would feel sorry for me, but it would be over. And I imagined what a relief it would be. And then she says, I killed Dawn. And Willow says, is that what you think? And Buffy says, me thinking, my thinking made it happen. Some part of me wanted it. In the moment, Glory took Dawn. I know I could have done something better, but I didn't. I was off by some fraction of a second. And this is why I killed my sister. So I I just, I really love how this scene is filmed. It's so well done. So you have the two Buffies, the one that Willow's been talking to in all black, the one who's shelving the book in the the magic box, you know, their hairstyles different and stuff. 
and they're just alternating. Each of them is like saying a sentence. It's going back and forth, which this must have been, you know, somewhat challenging to film the way once it's edited and put together, it looks so seamless, but they obviously had to film this over many, many takes. And it's so wonderful because it's representing the fragmentation of Buffy's mind. And in a moment, we're going to see Buffy's mind come back into sync with itself. But in this moment, it's like Buffy is existing in multiple parts of her mind, if that makes sense. Or it's not supposed to make sense. But like, I love the visual storytelling happening here. Yeah. And actually, that's a really good point to make because I was actually seeing a parallel between the two Buffys talking to each other and the scene we just saw with Glory and Ben and them talking to each other, like alternate uh, personalities. Absolutely. Because not only does Buffy have the weight of the world on her, but like Glory also has the weight of the world on her, right? Glory could Mm -hmm. choose not to do this ceremony, not to go through with it. Um, but she's feeling the weight, literally the weight of the world, as she said in that depressing speech, where it's like humanity is starting to get to her. And if she doesn't get out of this world, it's going to like collapse on top of her. And also sexy intern Ben couldn't handle the weight of the world for one second and immediately folded and was like, well, we'll just kill this girl. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like he, he could have also been the person to help save the world here. So like, yeah, I like the way that both of those scenes are filmed. I think it's really well done. The, the Ben and Glory scene, I don't think we really talked about the filming of it, where they like morph into and out of each other. It's very Smeagol Gollum, <laughs> like Lord of the Rings. Um, I, I like when that happens in these kind of sci-fi um, fantasy shows. But yeah, having this conversation, the alternating Buffies and Willow being there to center it all is, is just really clever. I like this episode for the way that it's done that. And Willow says, I think Spike was right. Snap out of it. Wash your mouth out, Willow. (laughs) Did you really just say Spike was right? This has an effect. Everyone's because everyone's shocked that she would say Spike is right. Um, (laughs) Both Buffy's are looking at her like, what? And Willow says, all of this, it has a name. It's called guilt. It's a feeling and it's important, but it's not more than that, Buffy. But Buffy's. (laughs) She's like, you've carried the weight of the world on your shoulders since high school. And I know you didn't ask for this, but you do it every day. And so you want it out for one second. So what? Buffy says, I got Dawn killed. Willow says, she's not dead yet. And she will be if you stay locked inside here and never come back to us. Buffy says, what if I can't? And Willow says, then I guess you're right. You did kill your sister. So Willow goes to leave and Buffy asks her to wait. Willow says, I'm going where you're needed are you coming back to the real world buffy snaps out of her catatonia and starts to cry and willow gets up and they hug and oh like again we haven't seen the buffy and willow dynamic in a while i missed it this made me appreciate it again i literally haven't appreciated it since probably since willow came out to her in new moon rising or when they had their little moment of reconciliation in mm-hmm. primeval, right? Like, this is nice. Yeah. This is nice. This is what Willow says here is so important in so many levels. You know, when she says, like, it's called guilt, it's a feeling, it's important, but it's not more than that. She's calling Buffy out here because Buffy's doing something that I think a lot of people who experience trauma will do at some point, which is they kind of wallow in their feelings of guilt in the trauma they've experienced. And, and I'm saying this not to like be critical or superior and be like, oh, you know, you're wallowing your trauma and you're taking advantage of it. But like, this is something we do as humans. It's this very natural kind of reaction where we get so overloaded that eventually 
it's much easier for us to just kind of shut down and say, okay, like, fine, this is my life. You know, you want my life to be traumatic? Fine. I'll, I'll lean into the trauma. And the trauma itself becomes this excuse not to process and deal with it. And, and you know, in this case, Buffy's trauma is grief and guilt. But also what Willow says about you want it out for one second. So what? I feel like that's such a relatable feeling, right? Anytime that we've ever been in a situation where we felt that weight of the world, whether it's because we're caretaking for somebody who's vulnerable or we have like just a particularly like stressful job, right? But it's like, you know, we put this pressure on ourselves, especially women, to always be there, never falter, never make a mistake. And we think that if if we even entertain the thought of faltering for a moment and letting it all collapse around us, because that would be easier than going on, that makes us a terrible person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a human being, but a terrible person. <laughs> and, and just so Willow's really capturing something that I think pretty much anybody can relate to in this moment, right? Where it's like, we keep telling ourselves we have to be perfect all the time. Nobody's perfect, right? Nobody uh, you know, soldiers on and and nobody is a hero 100% of the time. And that's what we're getting at here. Yeah, Kara had a typo in her notes today. <laughs> Can you believe? Um, no, no, it's so true. Um, like, I really love this dynamic of another woman telling a woman telling another woman, you don't have to have it all together all the time. And like I said earlier, the pressure Buffy's been under since she's been called at yeah. 15 years old, it catches up to her. Of course it has to once in a while, right? And that's why Willow's saying it's not over yet. Like, you know, like, like yeah, yeah, you gotta like, I get it. I get why you're feeling this way, but she's not dead. You didn't fail. Come out of this. And what happens yeah. as soon as Buffy comes out of it, Willow's there to support her and to hug her physically. I've I've started rewatching the CW Supergirl series for the first time. So I I've watched I watched it through once when it was first airing and you know that's a show that's ve- become very important to me. It's why I picked the name Kara and so this will be my first rewatch, you know, and also since I I came out as trans, so I'm like really relating to it even more and in the first seasons uh, almost every episode has a heart-to-heart between Kara and her mentor, Kat Grant, played by Calista Flockhart. And, you know, both her and Melissa Benoist are just these wonderful actors. And it, 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 it's all about, like, how do you do it as a woman, right? Like, how do you make it through this world and patriarchy? And, like, can you have it all? And there's this wonderful moment in an early episode where Kat Grant is like, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at once at the same time, right? And it's like... You know, she's she's being brutally honest woman to woman with Kara, but it's also like she's also being encouraging. And she's like, yes, like this world will knock you down, but you have you have to get back up. But getting back up doesn't mean that you have to be invincible. Yeah. And I'll also add, thank the Lord Mullock that Xander is not the one they chose to go and fetch Buffy <laughs> out of her little right? time loop here because the way the season was going that's what i would have predicted <laughs> oh my god there's an alternate fanfic yeah where <laughs> xander's the, ways, the witch <laughs> the ways that xander has been the one that buffy goes to talk to first over willow thank god willow is the one to do this i love praise that Malik. it's willow praise we go to the magic box and Steph, this is just the perfect way to end the episode. Giles is making tea. 
Dude got stabbed with a spear earlier this this day. Yeah. And his response is, I'm going to make tea. Never change, Giles. You're so British and I love you so much. Do you remember in season three when he drinks coffee and they're like, don't you want tea? And he's like, coffee makes me anxious. The coffee is like what I need to to, to feel tense. So clearly he's not wanting to be tense yeah, right he, now. He's, he's like, tea calms me. I wish to feel tense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he does not he wish to, to feel tense right now. So we hear the bell on the door to the shop. Uh, Giles looks up. He's clearly been expecting them. He says, Buffy. Uh, he turns to Spike and Xander and says, she's back. And he's like all excited. I'm just like, go you, Giles. Aww. So Buffy walks in. She's in charge again. She's at the forefront. And behind her is Willow and Tara and Anya. Yeah, the girl squad. Xander asks her if she's okay. And Buffy says, yeah, I'm okay. And she turns to Giles and says, here you found the ritual text. And Giles says, something like that, Yes. Xander cannot resist asking, did you know that Ben is glory? (laughs) And Buffy's like, so I'm told. And she's like, okay, let's get back on track here. She turns back to Giles. She's like, what do we know? And Giles hesitates. He he doesn't want to talk about this. He says, it's possible for glory to be stopped. Buffy waits. Giles says, I've read these things very carefully and there's not much margin for error. You understand what I'm saying? And Buffy says, might help if you actually said it. Giles sits down, and Steph, he takes off his glasses again. We know mm-hmm. shit just got real. Mm-hmm. And he says to Buffy, Glory plans to open a dimensional portal by way of a ritual bloodletting. Buffy says, Dawn's blood. Giles says, it will rip the fabric of reality apart. Dimensions will pour into one another. Chaos will reign on Earth. Uh, you know, cats and dogs living together. Like, it's terrible. <laughs> Buffy asks how to stop it. And Giles says that the only way to do it is to stop the blood flowing, which means Buffy will have to kill Don. And that's the end of the episode. Kind of saw the coming. (laughs) Like, obviously, Don will probably have to die. Yes. I I think death (laughs) might be her gift. I don't know if this is right or wrong, Kara. But could death be Buffy's gift? Like, could killing Don be a gift? Maybe. I think we should call up the first slayer and just ask her just to be sure. Well, I'm going to call her up, read up, be like, hey, Sinea, death? And then she'll, <laughs> she'll finish the sentence, naturally, and um, we'll, it'll all make sense again. <laughs> <laughs> Do we think there's a connection between Ben and Glory? <laughs> I bet Sinea knew, right? Because she's not technically human anymore. Oh, uh, so I bet Sinea is like, come on, people. Ben, Glory, like, death is your gift and Ben is Glory. Like, Come on. We didn't see it um, in the episode <laughs> intervention, but but Sinea also slapped Buffy about the head and it's like, this is going to be so worth it. <laughs> uh, who's your hero? Oh, I, I chose Willow. I chose mm-hmm. Willow. I really liked her in this episode and, and it's a relief for me. Like I needed that because I've just... Like Willow's been on my nerves this season and I'm I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad she did this. She's a hero. She took charge. Love to see it. Agreed. I also picked Willow and then I also picked Dawn because remember, Dawn is 14 years old. She is now under mortal threat. She's tied and bound. You know, Glory's threatening her. She's running. Ben's betraying her. Dawn is doing remarkably well under the circumstances. So mm-hmm. shout out to her. Yeah. And shout out to Sinea, another hero. For True. <laughs> repeating. So I just want to finish things off here by talking about how good this episode is. I think it's easy to write this episode off as too talky, too much like weird dream stuff happening, 
you know, it reminds me of nightmares and restless and stuff. So once again, we got Joss Whedon using the dream language and symbolism and stuff. But it's so important, so perfect, the way he conveys the depth of the, the distress that Buffy's feeling. You know, Buffy feels like she can't do anything right. This whole season has just, things got, have gone wrong for her mom and, and Dawn and Slaying and boys. Buffy can't win at anything right now. Um, so she's feeling like she might as well give in. You know, we, we've had some listeners write into us and talk about this idea of maybe would Buffy have a death wish, right? Does she have a death wish right now? Death is her gift. Like, does she want it to be over? Uh, Spike was speculating about that in Fool for Love, right? It's like, yep. it only takes one of us. It just takes one good day for us, one bad day for Buffy. I'm going to stick with what I said earlier, which is I don't think Buffy has a death wish here. Um, it might sound like I'm splitting hairs. I think Buffy wants everything to be over. I don't think that's the same thing as wanting a death wish. I, I think what Buffy's feeling right now is the burden of being not just the slayer, but of being a young woman who's experienced loss and is taking on more responsibility in her just her normal mundane life. Even without the slayer stuff, I think Buffy would be like, I just want out. I just want off the ride, right? And that is not the same thing as being suicidal or having a death wish. And I'm not trying to dismiss any anybody's feelings. You know, if, if you're identifying with Buffy in this moment and you have had thoughts like that, um, that's totally valid. I'm just trying to make the distinction here that I think that Buffy is going through a lot, but you can, you can go through a lot and still, you know, not have a death wish, but feel like you wish you could escape the life that you're in right now. Well, First and foremost, Buffy's still grieving, right? And yeah. the death of her mother is not that long ago, like a couple, I don't know, a couple weeks ago. Before that, Buffy was going through heartbreak from her breakup with Riley. Obviously, not the level it has been in the past, but that was a stunner to her. Buffy's going through an identity crisis since the very first episode, Buffy versus Dracula, right? She's like, I'm, I'm no longer slaying, I'm hunting. So what does that mean? Plus the whole death is your gift. And you have a death wish. Like, these are all things that she's been playing around with all season. And then on top of that, um, she had to quit school. And now she's a caregiver to Dawn who's been taken. And now she also might die. So there's so much failure. There's so much loneliness going on with Buffy here. Mm -hmm. This episode really touched on that in an interesting way. And I like what you said, right? Like, I think there's a lot of ways to relate to Buffy and what she's going through here. But at the end of the day, the, the Slayer stuff aside, like you said, it's just it's just really hard sometimes when all of these really significant life changes and emotional states happen to you all at once. And they've all happened to Buffy here, right? Like I can't tell you another season where Buffy's had to deal with the grief of a very close loved one and a heartbreak and quitting yeah. something that she's been working towards, such as school like it's it's a lot almost too much mm -hmm. right so that's that's the weight of the world Ooh, the way it is drop the mic it's life <laughs> that's that's what that's what the weight of the world is and we all go through it and yeah. watching buffy struggle with it i think is really poignant for the show all right we got two hot stakes here uh our first hot stake is from rachel whom i i'm going to designate rachel our resident uh podcast classics expert uh literary expert um, because Rachel starts off this email by saying, someone has probably already emailed about this. 
No, Rachel. Um, <laughs> Only you. <laughs> I think you are the one who consistently does this. And then uh, when it comes to like uh, like actual classics, like Hellenistic literature, like Greek poems and stuff, uh, as shout out to Esmer in our Discord. They they often uh, will talk about that as well. Um, so Rachel wants to talk about how Drusilla in I think it's Crush. Is that where Drusilla shows up? All the yes. episodes are bleeding together. I know. Um, yes. <laughs> but uh, Drusilla uh, says something in that episode, which I, I think I remarked about it. So so Drusilla's like paraphrasing from Shakespeare's Othello in this line, because Othello says in Act 5, Scene 2, that he has loved not wisely, but too well. Right. And that's something that Drusilla is kind of saying where she's like, you know, we're capable of loving, you know, just not loving wisely. And so Rachel says this quote is basically Othello's way of saying that he felt his love passionately and deeply and perhaps obsessively rather than with his head. And he was so overtaken by his emotions, he failed to realize that his actions were being manipulated by Iago. You know, and Rachel points out that there are racialized elements to his characterization because the, the part of Othello was written for a black person. Um, and so there's tropes here of the, the hyper-violent, over-emotional black man that's very harmful. But Rachel wants to point out that, like, it's really interesting to have Drusilla reference this play in this quote, you know, talking about Spike. Um, a couple of seasons ago, you know, he memorably told us that love isn't brains, children. It's blood. So thanks for for reminding us about these allusions to Shakespeare because yeah it seems like you know this keeps coming up and I'm sure that was a very deliberate reference so thanks for writing in uh and, and uh, reminding us of these connections to classical literature Rachel <laughs> yeah Shakespeare so um our, our last hot stick is from Alice who wanted to write in about Spike Alice says I am one of the former Spike apologists, and I want to let you know that listening to this podcast has made me rethink Spike as a character and also think Ooh. about the societal conditioning that makes men like Spike or Jordan Catalano or that moody guy from Gilmore Girls appear to be romantic. And of course, I have come to the, to the conclusion that it's all a bunch of patriarchal bullshit. Because if women are convinced they should expend a ton of mental and emotional energy on a bad boy turning good, they will continue to not rise up and destroy the patriarchy. It's a total scam. Right? Alice, this is great. And Alice says specifically, I will say Buffy hasn't been flirting with Spike at all. Mocking isn't flirting and we need to stop teaching children. If someone is mean to you, it means they like you. Yes. Uh, Buffy has, sorry, I really agreed with that. I think I've said that before too. <laughs> Buffy has only flirted with Spike twice, once in something blue while under a spell and once when it was actually faith in Buffy's body. So she has done nothing to lead him on, a phrase that is pro problematic in and of itself. So thanks, Alice. Our thoughts exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I I love the the I love the way you said a former spike apologist like you've gone to rehab and rethought these things. Um, one of the greatest joys that Cara and I have in this podcast is is not just the fact that she and I get to lull all night together when we record these episodes, but um, one of the greatest joys is that we are rediscovering the show as we rewatch and we're rethinking characters that we used to not have problems with. Right. And that's what happens as you get older. That's what happens as your mind changes and as we start seeing things for what they really are and how problematic they are and how they might have influenced the way we think or relate to people, especially men growing up. 
I think you put it really nicely here. And I know a lot of our other listeners have also put this type of idea that rewatching together, listening along with this podcast, Car and I speaking with each other, um, we're all here to learn, right? And I, I think that's really cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. We've got one more recap of season five. Oh, my God. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe I that we're about to find out if death is Buffy's gift. <laughs> <laughs> well, the next the, ne- the next episode is called The Gift. So what's it going to be? <laughs> it's anybody's guess. Is it death? <laughs> what do you think it's going to be? Wow. I'm on the t- I'm edge of my uh, seat here. Thank you, as always, to all of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters, especially our chosen ones. Joshua, Luis, Nicola, Julian, Jordan, (laughs) Kayla, Holly, and Lizzie. Oh, we're mixing them up today. Fine. Emma, Kyle, Erica, Jace, Tasha, Haley, Allison, Destiny, and Tasa. I just read them up. I just read them backwards. You, I don't know. What I know. I just think I wanted to. You're gonna take my notes and read them backwards. Well, I'm gonna jumble them up. I'm just um, doing everything better. Okay, deal I with it. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. We'll see you for the season finale of season five next week. Cannot believe it. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can't afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week